This week's Coming of Age episode is sponsored by OLTCA's sector champion, Arjo. It's through Arjo's ongoing partnership and generous support that we are able to host our thought-provoking podcast. Stay tuned to the end of today's episode to learn more about Arjo. We were one of the first uh, places in Switzerland to introduce the alternative with the thinking of uh, loneliness, boredom and helplessness. How we can overcome that by introducing animals and plants and children and spontaneity. And it was a, a success. This is Coming of Age, Meeting the Needs of Our Aging Population, a podcast about how we can better support our seniors. I'm your host, Donna Duncan. I am also the CEO of the Ontario Long-Term Care Association, which represents about 70% of long-term care homes in Ontario, Canada. Exploring new innovations in seniors' care, including long-term care, from a global perspective can inspire and lead us to fresh ideas on how we can best support our seniors. That's why I'm delighted today to be speaking with Vincenzo Paulino, a specialist in geriatric care equipped with an entrepreneurial spirit and a commitment to values-based leadership. Vincenzo has a fascinating background, starting with a psychology degree and then moving on to psychiatric nursing with a specialty in seniors' care. He first worked as a nursing director in a hospice for people with AIDS during the AIDS epidemic in the 80s then 13 years as a nursing director in a long-term care home where he and his team members successfully implemented major culture change. Since 2013, Vincenzo has been operating El Macasa, a collection of residential communities for seniors in Switzerland that take a unique approach to seniors' care. Vincenzo and I are both members of the board of the Global Aging Network, where members many of whom joined us in season one of our podcast, share their jurisdictions, challenges and solutions, most especially during the pandemic, but also as we think about the future and how we can improve seniors' care. Vincenzo had some excellent insights and stories that could help us discover new possibilities for the future here in Ontario. I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I enjoyed my conversation with Vincenzo. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our second season of Coming of Age. I am so delighted today to welcome Vincenzo Paulino for an interview with us as we reimagine what it is to support our aging population, not only in Canada, but around the world. Thank you for the opportunity. We're we're delighted to have you join us from Switzerland today. So as we start today, Vincenzo, we really, uh, in our last season, uh, we focused a lot on on what we were experiencing through the pandemic. So it's been more than two years now. Uh, we saw a lot of the challenges where seniors really were the hardest impacted by the pandemic and COVID really preyed on our older population. You know, as we move forward in this uh, season, we, we want to really look at what's some of the reimagining of long-term care that has been taking place. And, and I know that you've done a lot of work before the pandemic that really showed 
its efficacy through the pandemic where you actually managed extremely well uh, on behalf of those you served. Really would love your insights. What got you into the field of aged care, Vincenzo? Well, uh, as you mentioned in your introduction, I was born in Munich. Uh, 57 years ago. So um, one part of my motivation, of course, is to create a future where my parents or even myself would feel comfortable to live in if we cannot do everything on our own. And and that's that's my motivation. I, I, I studied psychology in Munich. Then I was afraid to become a workless psychologist because at the time there were so many on the market and then i rolled up uh, i i got into a apprenticeship for psychiatric nursing in switzerland i got into this apprenticeship in my first eight months in 1988 were on a ward for chronically ill psychiatric patients who happened to be also very old my first impression of long-term care was a huge room with 16 beds, eight beds on one side of the room and eight beds on the other side. Every patient had only one small piece of furniture beside the bed as privacy. And we were obliged to control those furnitures every week. So there was no privacy. There was a sort of uh, tailoristic approach to nursing. I remember myself standing there in, in rubber shoes and washing a person's down and the next staff member would then dry them. And that was so shocking to me. Uh, at the end, I decided to write a thesis on that for becoming then a psychiatric nurse. And the title of the thesis was New Approaches in the Care for Older People. It was uh, a success. We, we got a prize for it. And in 1991, I graduated with this thesis and uh, started working in an AIDS hospice in Zurich. You might remember that uh, we had no cure. We had uh, lots and lots and lots of deaths every year. My longing for good palliative care even today is based on this experience in the 90s. Then my career developed in the form that I signed up to a job in a conventional nursing home with 92 residents. Part of it was a high care need and the other part was for lower care needs, but it was very, very traditional and uh, hierarchic structures. Everyone wanted me to know everything. And I was, uh, as a nursing director in that place, I was confronted with expectations that were very difficult to fulfill. On the other hand, the quality was not good. So I decided uh, together with um, my boss at the time that we should put up school programs for staff, that we should try to change the uh, architecture as much as possible. We did that. And uh, also we introduced the Eden Alternative in 2001 with the thinking of uh, loneliness, boredom and helplessness and uh, how we can overcome that by introducing animals and plants and children and spontaneity. These, this was the buzzwords for, for the time then. And it was a, a success because our staff members immediately understood what it was all about. Because every one of us 
has experienced loneliness and uh, helplessness and boredom. And everyone knows how good children and animals uh, and uh, spontaneity and um, plants uh, are for our souls. I think that we here in Switzerland uh, with Almakasa, we have put the Swiss finish on, on the Eden alternative because we have uh, slightly different uh, professional roles here in Switzerland. I know from some of our discussions and our meetings through the Global Aging Network, your residents did well. Your homes uh, fared very well compared to, to other countries as we went through the pandemic. Could you maybe take us through how the, that philosophical thinking translated itself into models that made things better and safer? First of all, I think that we all who work in long-term care, we are driven by the idea that we want to put in place and realize and make happen humanistic values. The problem is that our system of care for older people is derived from the hospital paradigm. The hospital system, the hospital idea has been very successful in curing diseases. Especially in the beginning of the 20th century, we had penicillin invented and, and Röntgen uh, beams and, 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 and you name it. So when in the 50s and 60s, we tried to, some, to make something better for older people, we thought of them as being uh, patients. And we built them all over the world, all over the industrialized world. We built uh, those uh, sometimes quite huge institutions. And we thought that by doing that, and probably also adjacent to a, a hospital, we would have a good quality of care. And that may be true, but the quality of life was not so much in question. So for the time being there, it was a, uh, it was a step further. And I don't want to criticize that. Today we are in a different world and we have um, to take into consideration that quality of life is what we have to take care of. And quality of care is there, it's, it's people expect that, but that's only the basis for quality of life. Nobody wants to live in an institution. And that means if we take that seriously, that long-term care is about caring for people that live there, that's the only address they have, that's the place they live. We are guests, but usually our staff is uh, programmed in a different way. They work there and then they feel like the residents or the patients live in their uh, workplace, right? So we have to make that culture change and perception change in, in, in all our uh, staff members. And, and we start with ourselves, of course. During the pandemic, it is now a proven fact that the smaller institutions, the smaller places where people live had better outcomes. And also it was more possible for relatives and friends to be with, with their loved ones in, in a phase of dying, for example, in a palliative phase of the life. Maybe I should now tell the audience a little bit of, of, of the model that we do. The Alma Casa is in the canton of Zurich right now. We have four uh, places 
and each Almakasa has around 30 residents. And these 30 residents, they are divided in groups of 10 to 12. And uh, in the center of each group is a huge uh, living room combined with the kitchen. And in every uh, of those kitchens, we, we cook every day because otherwise there would be no meal on the table. So we, what we don't have, we don't have this tray system where there is a central kitchen and you have to put the tray on the table and then be ready at 12 to send the tray back. So we, we cook there. That has some challenges, of course. We have to follow all the hygienic rules. We have to be in, uh, in line of being a nursing home. Of course, that's, uh, that's true. And we, we can do that. And, but the feeling of uh, coming in such a place in where, where, where someone is cooking and the others join, or they help or do not help, they just watch, they smell, they hear the, the cutlery. It's a totally different uh, way of life. And keep in mind that in Almakasa, we have residents with high or very high needs of care. And uh, people with dementia make around 75% of our residents. And especially for those who need those micro-stimulations, the micro-stimulations that allow the brain to not shut down completely, uh, that's very important. And the fascinating result is that in our places, uh, we have very, very few bedridden people. It's uh, if it is, it is at the end of life, like in the palliative care phase. But usually, our residents they want to get up in the morning because they have something to do. As you think about what's working with you, you're serving a very smaller populations, more a, a very diverse community. It's the people who care for them too. What what we lost, we lost people to care. So many of the where our homes where we saw the most devastating loss of life, it's because our we didn't have people to provide the care. They themselves got sick or they were afraid and they left. As you balance the living with care, how does that translate to building your workforce and engaging people and building that care and, and living support teams uh, who are anchored in that more humanistic philosophy, but who want to come to work. Is your secret sauce the size of your homes, your culture, your philosophy? And how do we share that and, and learn from that and make it possible for other countries to find ways to adopt that? What is that secret? How do we get there? The secret sauce is a mixture of different things. First of all, I think that we have to think in circles rather than in hierarchic uh, structures. Every one of us knows the org organizational charts. They are hierarchic, they are silo-like. We have the care silo and we have the kitchen and we have uh, housekeeping and so on. And that that's, we don't have that in Almakasa. We have a circle model. In the closest circle around the resident, we have nursing assistants, we have uh, the person who cooks in the kitchen that I was talking about, we have uh, students, we have the people who, who clean, and uh, the registered nurses are also in the inner circle, but not quite. And in the next circle, we have like the support systems here of our Alma Casa Central Unit, we have the doctors, 
and physiotherapy and so on. So this is the circle model. To organize that, you have to be able to say goodbye to some of your perceived privileges as a, as a leader. You are not in control of everything, but you are uh, giving space for people who need care and you bring them together with people who give care in a good way, in an organized way. Our residents and our staff, they feel empowered to do the decisions and to live spontaneity and not having every day like the day before, like in a assembly line style work. This gives meaning to the work. It fosters relationships between the caregivers and the care and the people who need care, our, our residents. And that's what it's all about. It's about relations. And we as leaders have to make sure that these relations can grow and, and be fruitful. It's, it's as simple as that. If you give the, the people these opportunities, they will, they will love it because they come with, the, with a good heart. But don't forget that you also have to keep your house clean. So sometimes you get some staff members who are, yeah, they, they don't share maybe your values. They are cynical or there is defeatism. And then you should be brave enough to say that's not okay with us. Uh, you can't work with us. And so you keep the good ones that you want to keep and the other ones you would go to another place. So we have to be brave. We have to make decisions, but based on our, our values and our humanistic approach. Vincenzo shared some insightful comments about why people choose to work in long-term care and with seniors, and how he has seen that a humanistic approach to care is just as meaningful to the staff teams as it is to the residents. Residents want and deserve flexibility and a quality of life that is meaningful to them. Staff want the time to build relationships and to make a difference in someone's quality of life. Around the globe, there is a strong movement towards a person-centered care philosophy that focuses on individual quality of life as much as on quality of care. And this is no different in Ontario. The Ontario government rules and structure that govern long-term care can make it challenging to be creative, but we are seeing many homes doing whatever they can within the government framework to enhance the lives of their residents. Vincenzo also talked about the importance of values-based leadership and the need to model those values for your teams. His comments led us to a conversation about the importance of leaders in championing diversity including what's needed to make long-term care environments feel safe and welcoming for LGBTQ plus individuals. Vincenzo is the former president of an organization called Queer Altern that helps to develop housing and services for LGBTQ plus seniors. Your focus in supporting the queer community. Uh, you know, I find it so interesting. We're having discussions in, in Ontario right now around supporting diverse populations. And we're talking about more specialized cultural homes. And we're talking about more specialized homes around diagnoses. You're building homes around the queer community. And I would love your thoughts as we think about different populations. How do we deconstruct 
long-term care. So it's not a catch-all. And how do we start looking at different populations and supporting them? How do we better support our uh, LGBTQ populations? And how is that different than supporting other uh, seniors' populations? And why is it important to um, have more specialized living for our queer community? Thank you for that question. As a gay man, um, I'm, I'm interested in that, of course. And in 2014, beside my work for Alma Casa, I was uh, the founder and uh, then after that five-year president of an association called Queer Aging or in German Queer Alter. And uh, we um, developed a model like uh, also like it, it, it looks a bit like Alma Casa, but it's then for, for the queer community. And um, we have now reached an agreement uh, about one and a half years ago with the city of Zurich. And uh, they will help the, the association to build the place and the association then will help to um, organize and to find the right residents there and so on. So the impetus uh, for that was because many of the members of the association said, I will never go into a conventional nursing home because I will have to go back to the closet. And that was the, the result of a, a study in the Zurich uh, nursing homes. And they asked people, uh, how many uh, gay or lesbian people do you have? That was about three to four years ago. And they found only three. The assumption was, and I think the assumption is right, that uh, LGBT people go back in the closet because they don't want to be seen as that and recognized as that. So I think the need for having such a place is enormously there. But we have also members and, and LGBT people who say, I don't want to be uh, in a place that is just for us. I want to make things better for every institution, for every place. And so it's a double thing to do. On the on one hand, develop those specialized places, which will be necessary for the next two decades, I would say. And then on the other hand, make the places that already exist ready and open for a diverse community. So I don't think that the only uh, solution is to create different monolithic groups of every minority we have. But that's important for a certain period of time to gain more uh, visibility and to train people. But in the end, I think that we have to make every place as inclusive as possible. But that's it, not either or. It's you can do both and you have to do both things uh, simultaneously. Vincenzo, I want to thank you for, for your leadership. Uh, you've got so much to give. And these discussions, I think the more we have them uh, around the globe, the more we realize uh, how much we have in common. It's going to be a very, very different future. But it is through the voices uh, like yours that we're going to get there. I completely agree. And I think we have to make that transformation because it's for our own sake. It was such a pleasure to speak with Vincenzo and be inspired by his passion for seniors' care. There were several takeaways from our conversation. First, Vincenzo's secret sauce for recruiting and retaining a team includes creating an environment that provides a high quality of life for residents and empowers staff to engage with residents to support purpose and meaning. 
Long-term care homes attract good people who want to form relationships with residents and make a difference in their lives. And we need to be doing everything we can to allow them to do just that, including questioning regulations and models that aren't set up to support these models of care. Second, I welcomed Vincenzo's insights about how to support our LGBTQ populations and other groups with specific cultural and diverse needs. He believes that designated homes are definitely needed for support, visibility, and to train people, but the goal should also be to make every place as inclusive as possible. It's not an either or, he says. We can and should do both things simultaneously. Finally, Vincenzo has a reputation as a creative and engaging leader. And I appreciated his comments about what a leader does. That it's not about being in control. That it's about giving space and flexibility to the people who need care and bringing them together with kind people who provide their care in the best possible environment and in an organized way. The result is residents who feel they can live the way they want to live and staff who feel empowered to make decisions to support them. That's the philosophy behind the changes we are all trying to make for seniors of today and tomorrow. This week's Coming of Age episode is sponsored by OLTCA's sector champion, Arjo. Arjo believes that empowering movement within healthcare environments is essential to quality care, with products and solutions that are designed to promote a safe and dignified experience through patient handling, medical beds, personal hygiene, disinfection, and the prevention of pressure injuries and venous thromboembolism. Arjo is committed to driving healthier outcomes for people facing mobility challenges. Learn more about Arjo Solutions at arjo.ca. Thank you for listening to Coming of Age, Meeting the Needs of Our Aging Population. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate our show five stars, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, I'm your host, Donna Duncan. Keep well.